On today's show, let's talk more about some odds. Title odds. Odds of the Cavs winning the all-important Central Division and more. Let's dive in. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. The music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. As always, we have Jake Stevens on the ones and twos. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Demerol. This is Locked on Cavs, your look every day at the Cleveland Cavaliers. More odds talk today. Segment one is going to be about how the Cavs compare to the other teams in the East. Obviously, there's a Damian Lillard trade to perhaps come that could impact that. Uh, we're going to look at division odds and in-season tournament odds in segment two. And segment three, over-under... In title odds, those will be the I think the crescendo of this episode. To start with the East, Cavs are plus nine nine fifty. Uh, their Celtics are plus two ten. Bucks are plus two ninety. Seventy Sixers plus six fifty. Cavs then at plus nine fifty. Knicks at plus eighteen hundred. I I mean I feel like this is right. I think it's interesting that the Cavs, as far as the books go, are so far ahead of the Knicks. Because the Knicks like whomp the Cavs last year, and again, it, it's just worth repeating. If Damian Lillard like ends up on the Heat, I think their odds are gonna get a little shorter, and the Cavs might get a little bit longer. I think if he ends up in Toronto, you have another team here that's gonna be up in this conversation in some way, perhaps ahead of the Knicks, perhaps close to the Cavs. That's gonna be a really good basketball team. So this is a little bit subject to change, but the Cavs being like fourth. Fifth in this feels right, even if this is a really good team. Like fourth or fifth is reasonable coming off last year, I think, and how they went in the playoffs. Well, let me ask you this. If Chicago were to somehow get Dame, do you think they jump up the uh, ladder like Toronto does uh, and muddy things up for the Cavs he, in that top five race? Or No, I don't think Chicago is nearly as good, and I also just kind of don't think... Um, it doesn't... If you're reading everything that's out there, it feels to me like this is Toronto or Miami. And I Chicago feels a little more distant if I were just to kind of read the tea leaves a little bit. I also just don't think that supporting cast is nearly as good as some of those other teams. So if you had to hold a gun to my head and ask me, I think it it's t- in this order, it's Toronto, Miami with Philly being like that third team, just because the, the Sixers are a bit of, you know, an enigma in terms of just what they can do at the trade market and just what they can do to un mess up this James Harden situation that they have evolving in front of them. But um, yeah, Damian Lillard does shake the odds of this um, quite a bit, but until he is actually traded to an Eastern conference team or maybe like a different team in the East or maybe a team in the West, like looking from the outside in, yeah, I am a little surprised that the Cavs almost are double in terms of like odds uh, on the Knicks in terms of just winning the Eastern conference. Maybe. Maybe the odds makers at FanDuel see a different path than we do, but like maybe New York ends up drawing like Milwaukee or Miami in the first or second round and the Cavs are able to avoid maybe the more bully side of the bracket and they're able to, they, they did well against Boston last year, even though Boston is a phenomenal team. Um, I think Philly could be an interesting matchup or draw for them or they just kind of avoid like Milwaukee and Miami and then the boogeyman that is the New York Knicks, but I think it's worth fair to say, though, that when you look at the Cavs' odds compared to New York, like New York has a lot of 
high-end talent on their team. They have a lot of high-quality role players. I mentioned really good guard play when talking about the six-man of the year in Emmanuel quickly, but they don't have Evan Mobley. They don't have Darius Garland. Um, those are two guys that are just continuing to level up quite a bit as players. They're only going to get better at time. And I think New York is a team that maybe is scratching the surface of their ceiling. There could be a little bit more room to break through or grow into, but the Cavs are a little bit more of a longer runway compared to what New York is as a team. And things could change a lot. What if there's like an in-season coaching change? Like if J.B. Bickerstaff clearly isn't the dude for the Cavs and like they do something completely dramatic like that and like that shakes things up a bit too. But I don't know. I think the Cavs just have more runway to be a better team on paper just because of Mobley and Garland. And that makes sense for the argument. But I'm also just not surprised that they are on the outside looking in of the arguable and no certain order top four best teams in the Eastern Conference. And you have to earn your stripes and dethrone them in the postseason in order to kind of make that list. Like you can be as successful as you want during the regular season, but you got to beat the Heats, the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Sixers of the world in order to really make those goals that are put in front of you both outside and probably internally within the organization to get there. And that's where the odds make sense when they are fifth on this list. Outline to me the path, Evan, what you think if the Cavs are going to pull, they do pull this off. What's the path of how they, they get that done to win the Eastern conference. Mm-hmm. How does it happen? Oh, golly. Uh, so I think let's just assume Damian Lillard goes to Toronto and then they become a very, very annoying team. I still think this, the Raptors have a rookie head coach that is learning and growing. They still have to accommodate for the loss. Like you're assuming maybe Scotty Barnes doesn't get moved, but you're losing OG and I know you're losing Grady Dick, who I know like is a rookie, but has shooting is a wing type player. Um, like Pascal Siakam is still around for the long haul. The Raptors have Yaka Pirtle who, for the long haul as well. Like the Raptors have a very complete team with a very clear need of point guard after losing Fred Van Fleet, but there's still a lot of room to grow and improve and maybe just surpass expectations. And there's going to be a ton when you get Damian Lillard and that changes the calculus quite a bit. Let's say Dame goes to Miami. I don't think the Cavs have a shot to best of seven if they're having to deal with Damian Lillard, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, uh, and the tactical ability of Eric Spolster because I know... Dame isn't the best defensive player, especially the guard position, and the Cavs could try to exploit that mismatch, but Spo will do everything he can to make sure that it isn't a huge liability for Miami, and he'll do definitely crank up the and turn up the gears enough to make the Cavs uncomfortable if they were to face Miami in the playoffs. But it really is the Damian Lillard question. Like if he ends up with like Toronto, maybe it's a little bit of a different conversation. Miami, I just don't see a path. Uh, Milwaukee, it's just because they're a little long in the tooth, and I think age gets the best of them. Um, and then Boston, maybe what they accomplished last year with the two J's, uh, just kind of ascending like they did. Doesn't really click. Maybe Malcolm Brogdon, there's just some infighting. Maybe Joel Missoula ends up kind of showing his weaknesses and flaws as a coach, especially on the biggest stage, and they avoid Boston altogether. Like, and it's also a team the Cavs did pretty well against last year. Like, there's ways to do it. I just think if you're able to avoid Milwaukee, a Damian Lillard led Miami, um, or Damian Lillard featured Miami with Jimmy Butler, like that's your path to winning the East. If you're able to avoid those two teams, or at least those two teams bludgeon the heck out of each other for seven games, then you have to deal with the the more healthy teams still standing. Like that makes you give you more of a puncher's chance. But if you avoid those two, that's a pretty clean path to win the East if you're Cleveland. How, what do you think? I, I think if we're gonna, I think it has to. You have to look at this through. Okay, what do we, what can they do? What is what is in their control more than? Some external stuff. I think that's the more productive way to 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 live. I think that's a more productive way to to do these exercises. I think it's Darius Garland takes another big step forward. 
Evan Mobley takes another big step forward. The shooting you've brought in fixes a lot of issues and gives your offense some needed juice. And you just and you you get a little bit lucky, but you learn from what you've learned from last year. Your team just functions better overall. Maybe there's one more trade to make to kind of reinforce some spots, and that's enough. And that your that your your, th- your two best players right now, and then Mobley is the third best. Those three guys all elevate themselves and carry themselves in a way that they didn't last year. And, and if that's enough, I'm a little skeptical based on last year. But that's the path. It has to be driven by your stars. It has to be about what they do. Because like if you're if if you're if you're in a situation where you're trying to like having to avoid certain matchups, you're just not good enough to win. I don't think they would. I would pick them against Boston or any of these other really good teams right now, or against Milwaukee. I wouldn't. But the path is going to be: Does your star talent drive you in a direction that you can't overcome some of those teams and hit these levels? And if that's Mobley and Garland and Mitchell, and they hit their peaks and everyone's healthy and you and just all kind of gels, that's how it's going to happen. Is that you just kind of the the, the greater your, what you have here supersedes some of the things, some of the challenges ahead of you. It has to be that more than you know. You get the right path and get a little bit lucky. I agree with you. I'm going to bounce this back to you though. Do you think it leans more on what Garland can give you in year five? Oh my gosh, year year five, or what you give from Evan Mobley in year three for the Cavs to control what they can control and also take that leap that's dramatic enough to make them an actual force in the East. I would probably lean Mobley just because I think there's offensive utility from him we haven't seen that I think is needed for them to get where they're going to go. I agree with you. Um, but I am curious to also see, does Darius Darius Garland have another gear or level to him offensively, especially now that he has a full year of Donovan Mitchell under his belt and has a pretty clear understanding of, or hopefully at least a pretty clear understanding of what this team needs going forward in order to uh, win after that pretty bitter pill they had to take in the first run against New York. So I think they go hand in hand with one another, but I definitely do think Mobley is going to be the X factor for how far the Cavs can go at points this season. All right, coming up next... Let's go to division odds, which I think just tell us how the Cavs tag against the Bucks, and we'll talk about the in-season tournament. That's coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by DoorDash. DoorDash, look, if you're missing the syrup for your pancakes, you ran out of your favorite coffee creamer, use DoorDash. You get grocery delivery, get what you need right away when you need it. The convenience is getting what you want right to your door with DoorDash grocery delivery. You can stock up for the weaker order last minute cravings conveniently. Look, you've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. They have thousands of grocery stores to choose from, and you're going to find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. And if you want even more value, you can save on all of your grocery favorites with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. With easy substitutes right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you use the code LOCKED in NBA checkout. That is a limited-time offer in terms apply. That's 50% up, 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. 
All right, division in season tournament. In the division, Bucks minus 210, Cavs plus 210, Bulls plus 2300, Pacers plus 2500, and the Pistons plus 10,000. This is a Cavs Bucks race, Evan. And <laughs> this is what this is what I would say. If you're going to make the case that the Cavs are going to pull this off, it's that the Cavs are going to be a regular season win machine and just go for it in a way the Bucks might not. The Bucks are a little bit older, have bigger aspirations in mind, more playoff proven, less incentive to really push their way beyond their maximum capabilities, even with these new rules in place. That's, I think, why the odds are a little closer here. The Bucks obviously favorites deserve to be favorites, but um, I, I think there's a world where th- if things broke a certain way, you could see the Cavs just b- being a regular season wins monster and, and you make this at least a race. Well, the Milwaukee Bucks also no longer have Mike Budenholzer at the helm, so regular season wins may not be the focus, and the Bucks actually lean on some of their depth to rest some of these older players, whether it is Giannis, Brooke, Chris, Drew, um, you name it. But we, we didn't talk about Dame. Like Maybe Milwaukee gets Dame as well and really shakes things up too, but I think that's I, a really th- long th- shot. Th- that's a really long yeah, shot, that, but like that's... Yeah. It'd be fun. I mean, sheesh, that, that'd be I mean, fun. That... that, that that's a that's a two K that feels like a two K trade at this point with where we're at. Oh yeah, absolutely. But like just saying, like on paper, it'd be fun. But um, I, I chuckle in looking at these odds because it clearly is a two horse race between the Cavs and the Bucks for winning the division. Like you said, you tip your cap to Milwaukee because they have one of the best team players in the world, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Also, just an elite defensive team to begin with. Um, you wonder how Adrian Griffin's going to shake out as at his first year as a head coach of an NBA team, running a team like the Bucs, where there are certainly a lot of expectations. Like There could be some growing pains from that, and the Cavs do have the luxury of, I, I guess, familiarity or um, continuity. That's the word I'm looking for, where like more or less everything's the same in place in terms of just like your core guys and then like Karis LeVert's coming back of course but then you're like you're just trying to factor in the fits of role players like George Yang and um, Max Struess so like that's a little bit easier of a fit than a head coach trying to adapt uh, his ideals and vision to a very veteran savvy team and we'll see how that evolves from Milwaukee and I joke but like Mike Budenholzer is a guy who really tried to win every single regular season game while he's in Milwaukee and sure he has a championship for it but it also was some of the downfall where like you saw like the best of what you got from a lot of those Bucks or the Hawks teams you coached in. I'm not saying the cash in the same vein, but like JB Bickerstaff is also a coach where he doesn't really rest his guys on back to backs, um, especially now with the new NBA rules in place. But they could have a chance to maybe make some noise and win the division. Um in terms of like the third place race, I'm I'm more surprised the Pacers, uh, at least on paper, aren't the third best option heading into the season just because like they have Tyrese Halliburton sure Buddy Hield could be on the way out but depending on what they get for them but like the Pacers have a pretty rock solid foundation in terms of like depth personnel and players that like yeah I think they're just better than the Bulls on paper right now so like I was a little surprised by that one but it's a toss-up after the first two teams because like a lot of things have to go right for Chicago or Indiana and a lot of things have to go wrong for both of Milwaukee and Cleveland for those other two teams to have like a realistic shot to win the division. I would, yeah, I would pick the Pacers over the Bulls. Love Hal Burton. Love a lot of talent on the team. Think think they can be aggressive with with this Buddy Hill trade chip and, and cap room and things. Uh, let's move on to the season tournament. This my calculus on this uh, personally has changed a little bit, Evan. Just with the 
you can't rest guys for these games. Um, what is interesting is that the Cavs' odds are better for this than they are compared to some other teams. Uh, Celtics plus 850, Nuggets plus 1100, Bucks plus 1100, Suns plus 1200, Warriors plus 1400, Cavs plus 1400, Sixers plus 1400, Lakers plus 1400, Heat plus 600. The Cavs are really not like they're in that they're in like the f- tied for fourth best odds to win this, which I maybe something about their group, you know, but I. I think I, I really think there's a chance that the teams we think of as the actual title favorites for June are not the teams that win this, and I think that that to me opens the door for teams like Cleveland, teams like Sacramento, teams of, of that ilk. Yeah, so I wonder if these odds, because I'm looking at them right now, like I made a face because I'm just like, ooh, Boston, Denver, Milwaukee's your top three, but... It's like, yeah, the, the, the Suns, that, they have Kevin that, Durant yeah. and Devin Booker, yeah. Yeah, yeah like... Like you said, the rest rule does play a factor in this. Um, I wonder if it's just not fully understanding, like, or having like a cohesive backlog of data and history of how the in-season tournament is going to function. Like, do we see those teams like Sacramento or maybe like the Knicks or even the Thunder, who I think could make a lot of sense as like a team that wins the in-season tournament, but like it also makes the playoffs, but isn't quite championship ready, but like makes the noise to get there. Uh, and like the Pacers, we just talked about them. Like, they're a team that could make sense in that vein too, but. I think more so for me, if you like go down the list a little bit and they talk about the group winners, it's Philly favorite at plus 140, Cleveland at plus 170, then Atlanta at plus 500. So there's a decent enough gap between Cleveland and Atlanta for winning Group A in mm-hmm. the Eastern Conference and representing Group A as the in, in the in-season tournament. Like, yeah, I wonder how Philly navigates this. Like, do they move James Harden before training camp or before the season starts? Or do they get out of shape overweight and unhappy james harden playing or james harden that actually is committed to balling like i don't know like it's gonna be interesting and plus like nick nurse is a dude who rides his star players really hard like joel mb could be otherworldly and be a dude that pushes the sixers to a couple of those primetime wins he can't rest on against cleveland and atlanta that wins group a for them so like i think that's what i'm more interested in is like if you had to pick between philly and cleveland it's just it's gonna really break down to how those early on games go between both teams when they figure out this seeding and the placement for the in-season tournament. Yeah, and if you look at the other groups, like the Celtics are minus 145 to win their group, the Bucks are plus 110 to win their group, and the next closest Dude. there is plus 200 with Miami. So I give Miami and that group, that group's more competitive. Um, like, no other group, like, to this, I'm Sorry. looking, I think, no, it's okay. The I, didn't, only I didn't even laugh like I did, but, like, the way the Bucks are set up on FanDuel right now, it has the Hornets and the Wizards after them. I'm like, how yeah, bad is this group? Yeah. And then it goes Miami, yeah, was, I'm like, ah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. it's like, ah, yeah, she gets to Miami and the Knicks, and, like, you just, like, Charlotte and the Wizards there for, like, a crappy sandwich. Because um, those, both those teams are, particularly the Wizards, are just absolutely a, a dreadful. If I, for the Just Basketball show that I do with Brendan Clean, we did, like, our Wizards season preview. Gotta tell you, very hard to like find things to get optimistic about with the 2023-2024 You're not excited about Kyle uh, Kuzma and Jordan Poole. I'm really happy that their checks are clearing and they can do whatever the heck they want is what I'm happy with for those guys. Um, but tough looks for a lot of everything else going on over there. But like these, these groups are going to be like... And look, th- I think one of the things that we don't know yet is that the regular season does have some chaos in it at times. Like yeah. sometimes you just lose a game you shouldn't. And that could turn these groups over, and that's kind of the intrigue with it. That doesn't exactly happen as much when you get to the playoffs and over the course of 82 games, but does it happen like in one of these groups, and that opens the door for someone. All right, one more break. We're going to come back, touch on title odds, and over-under. We're going to start with over-under wins, because I'm 
going to argue why you should just hammer the over for calves. All right, right now at FanDuel, the Cavs over under is at 50.5, minus 122 for over, plus 105 for um, under. Evan, here's my case for I I think you should hit the over on this. I I feel pretty strongly about that. Number one, I I think the moves they made in the offseason make them a better team. Mm -hmm. That's just for starters. Number two, last year they were a 51-win team. Had the second best net rating in the league. Cleaning the glass has a stat that they track based on it's not a real stat, just like a calculation they have. Where what is your win differential based on your net rating versus the number of games you should have won based on your net rating? The Cavs lost four wins. They they have won four fewer games based on what they should have won based on their net rating. So like net rating wise, that's a fifty five win basketball team. And I think they're better. Mm-hmm. You got a little bit unlucky last year, you had some injuries at times, whatever it is. I think this is a team that's going to be a regular season monster. I think they're going to hit the over. Where that gets them in the standings is an open question. I think that it's going to be their prerogative to push this as far as they can and, and win as many games as possible in regular season and give themselves any advantage they can come playoff time. But I would, I'm, I would feel very, very good about the over, the 50.5 for Cleveland, just based on their profile last year and based on the moves they made in the summer. Well, first off, if I had anything in front of me, I'd pour it out for a friend of the program, Ben Axelrod, because this is usually the segment we have him on to talk about over under the Cavs. And I do remember Evan Mobley's rookie season, we all said smash the under as hard as you can on this Cavs team. And boy, we were wrong. But I agree with you. Like, I think it's it's over 15 and a half wins this year. Like, the Cavs are, I don't think they go much, much higher than that. I think like 52, 53 is probably their, like, cap just because it's like you said the regular season is going to be a lot more chaotic it already it, on top of it already being chaotic and we talk about the teams that are ahead of them in the eastern conference standings whether it's philly miami milwaukee or boston like those are teams the Cavs are going to be jockeying with and could maybe drop some to and also beat and I, I, again it, it doesn't matter how many games you win at the end of the day it's obviously important that you make the playoffs and also that you're healthy you make the playoffs and it's going to be an interesting thought exercise. Like the rules are in place and JP Victor staff is probably again, pro them, but how much do the Cavs prioritize regular season wins over being healthy for the playoffs? We'll, we'll see. But I, I think There's 50 a, yeah. is a surprisingly low number when they release like the win projections for heading into this season. Like I was just like, Oh, that's, that's a little surprising because, because the Cavs on paper, like you said, had a great offseason and they are much improved offensively. Uh, they're a lot more cohesive offensively. And I think that's just going to naturally translate to more regular season wins for a team that, by all accounts, had a pretty great regular season last year. Yeah, I'm I'm hammering that that over. Um, I just think I think this team is going to have every incentive. To push for regular season wins in a way I think some of the other teams in the East are not. And I think there's a cohesiveness to what they're going to do that like even like Boston or Milwaukee, like there's going to be changes that the Cavs I think don't have to deal with. Like Struess and Yang, as far as additions go, are like pretty just plug and play. Well, yeah, you, you know, don't, like the, you don't, you don't tailor your entire system to role players. You make the role players fit you and there's a clear fit right. that those two have. Yeah, like Boston brought in Porzingis, and it's like their defensive scheme now cannot work the same because Marcus Smart is gone, and they have Chris Porzingis. They can't switch in the same way anymore. This nope. again, the Bucks have a new coach. Like Jason all Tatum's these, gonna be playing point for them. 
but well, they have a lot of other good guards. So I think they're going to be okay. Guard, it's like, but like then two of those bigs are going to get hurt for like two weeks at a time. It's going to happen <laughs> where like Robert Williams and Porzingis are both out, and it's just like, all right, Luke Cornette, you're playing 30 minutes tonight, and the Celtics will probably be okay in the aggregate. But like, there's going to be some wonkiness that I think Cleveland, with some good injury luck, maybe that doesn't hit the bar. Title odds, let's finish there. Plus 2,000 to win the NBA championship next year. Here are, here are the odds as of right now on FanDuel. Celtics plus 470, Nuggets plus 480, Bucks plus 600, Suns plus 650, Heat plus 1,000, uh, Lakers plus 1,300, Warriors plus 1,400, Sixers plus 1,800, Cavs plus 2,000, Clippers plus 2,000. The Knicks, by the way, again, I just find this interesting that there's such a big gap in these numbers between Cleveland and New York. Knicks are at plus 5,500. That is interesting. And I wonder if a lot of that is the Evan Mobley effect compared, or like the Evan Mobley growth and the Darius Garland uh, continued like rise stardom wise. But this list makes sense. I, if you ask me right now, I think the Nuggets repeat as champions. Again, maybe the Damian Lillard trade shakes the calculus up quite a bit. And the Miami Heat just do Miami Heat things, but the Nuggets are the best team in basketball, in my opinion. I think I'd have them ahead of the Celtics right now, but like, if you read off this list to me, the Phoenix one makes me raise an eyebrow because I have some questions about how the fit works. Like, does talent trump fit and just everything, health as well, but we'll see. But them being in the top 10 makes sense, and also like they're in that interesting thick of its spot where they have teams like the Clippers, Mavericks, Grizzlies, Pelicans and Kings behind them, and then the Knicks and that six team behind them. But like those three teams, the Clippers, Mavs, and Grizz, like a lot of weird things could happen with any of those squads. A lot of weird things could happen with like the Sixers and Warriors ahead of the Cavs to shake these odds up a lot too. That like help Cleveland out or push them further down the list. So I think ninth best odds make a lot of sense, and like their absolute, absolute, absolute ceiling possibly be like a conference finals appearance where they hopefully go down swinging hopefully just like compared to how things went against new york last year against like a boston or a miami or a milwaukee then they just kind of keep clubbing along i'm super i'm honestly surprised the lakers are in the top six though like i i'm high on the lakers but i'm not that high on the lakers big market lebron rub all that That's, stuff that makes sense yeah all right let's end there i'm chris manning that's seven Denver. we'll be back at you on Friday with a mailbag. Drop your questions in if you have not already. It's still time to get a couple more in, so please do that if you haven't already. And we'll talk to y'all then. 